Hello and welcome to Cody and Corbin have a podcast, a show where two former roommates talk about a new movie every week. This week on the show, we're talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. As always, I'm your host, Corbin's Vocal, and joining me is my co-host, Cody Webb. Cody, are you ready to talk Spider-Man or what? Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good episode, I think. Uh, you know, we've talked about a couple of the Spooderman movies in the past, but uh, you know, we're talking about like a, a live movie in theaters as well. I think that might be the first time uh, we've done that on the show. So that's interesting as well. Yeah, we definitely don't. I mean, we had a little discussion at the end of our last episode. And honestly, I, I, I wanted to talk about it a little bit more. And obviously, everyone's talking about this movie right now. So I figured, why don't we break uh, break the seal on the uh, the new movie, the new release podcast episode so spider-man no way home probably the biggest thing to happen uh, in movies since in-game was released uh, and i figured there's a lot of great things to talk about in this movie so why don't we absolutely yeah you know the seal's been broken uh so next week we're gonna have to pick another uh, movie that's coming out uh but yeah no i mean just the the money this movie's made at the box office has been kind of ridiculous if i'm being honest um and yeah i mean i feel like this will probably be the movie of of all the one, all of the one that we've done. Still can't talk. Uh, what is what is it like episode thirty or something? Uh, but yeah, I feel like everybody will actually have probably seen this movie who's watching the episode, which you know is not that common probably. But uh, that's definitely cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the other thing is if we were to pick a different movie that was out in theaters at any point in the last year since we started this podcast, there's a good chunk of people who probably wouldn't have seen it, uh, even more so than most of the movies we picked. But I think this is. I mean, this is truly such an event, uh, you know, eventized movie going, we thought maybe was dead, but Spider-Man No Way Home has potentially brought it back. Uh, and I think there's a lot of layers and facets that we can talk about that. And why don't we just go ahead and get into talking about the movie, right? Uh, so I'll get us started with our initial thoughts. First of all, very spoiler heavy conversation that's about to happen. Uh, obviously, if, if one, you haven't seen this movie, or two, you haven't seen it and somehow like haven't had anything spoiled at this point, honestly, good for you. Uh, but Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in this movie, Cody. Wow. You just spoiled the movie for everybody listening. What exactly. I told them to stop listening. I said the spoiler <laughs> every guy. If they're still here, then oh well. And if they haven't been on Twitter or Instagram or <laughs> read a newspaper in the last they're week. Pissed. They're pissed now. They're pissed. You just spoiled it. Give me your initial thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, my letterbox review, I think I talked about it a little bit last week. I think it's spot on, you know, just the the culmination of how this movie was even made is just an achievement. Like to get those two actors from past franchises from the past like 20 years or whatever. Um, I think it's impressive. I think it's cool. Like, I feel like just that being in this movie makes it unhateable almost. Like if you don't like this movie, that's fair. But that achievement of just getting past actors, even the villains too, like that's so dope that you know, it's obviously a different universe and it's different studios working together, which you don't really see that often. Um, and just the word of an achievement, I think, describes this movie so well because 
I would have never guessed in a million years that would have happened. Yeah. I do want to preface this. We are, you know, very excited about this movie, but we do have our problems with this. So don't think this is just going to be us us talking about how great this movie is for an hour. Uh, We will get into some things we don't like as we always do, but an achievement, that is absolutely the way I would describe it. And there is not, this could not have happened at any other time in movie history though. At the same time, like every, this is the culmination of literally, I mean, 20 years of, of filmmaking and popular filmmaking and not necessarily filmmaking as an art, but filmmaking as a business. Yeah. And I don't know where we go from here. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of cheap ripoffs and, and remakes and people trying to imitate uh, in a way that, you know, probably will work at some point, but will also fail a lot. And uh, I'm definitely interested to see the ongoing ramifications following this, but it's it's definitely cool to just be able to, I mean, we were obviously not going to the theaters to see the original Spider-Man when it came out, but we definitely grew up with those movies and we grew up, we watched the amazing Spider-Man later, but it was still a heavy part of our childhood. It's something as, you know, being 21, 22 year olds, like this is representative of like our entire cultural lives to an extent like this is is a combination of all those things coming together so definitely very interesting uh if you want to you good talking about that or do you want to get into the movie now no i think you had an interesting point there as well where like i feel like this will create more just nostalgia bait movies um because this movie is a nostalgia bait but i think it's done well i mean we were talking about last episode as well i thought they were just going to be you know characters in it for five minutes Mm -hmm. they're in the movie for a good hour um i think you can do these kinds of movies like super well i think this is the formula to use um but i mean with all these big franchises they see this they're chomping at the bit to to get any old actor any old characters like back into the franchises immediately like probably gonna see like Shia LaBeouf come back to Transformers and you know uh, all the Jurassic Park original cast come back. Like I think it will be not great maybe for the history of movie franchises, but I mean at this moment I, I can't really be too mad about it. I have two thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, obviously we we were already seeing the revitalization revitalization of like new IP. Sure. Like that's not that's not new. Like no, that's not new at all. But. but- or Star Wars came back and and yeah. Indiana Jones 5 is coming out and 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 revitalizing like old IP is obviously something that's been happening and I think oh, yeah. this is just the next step in step in that um so I think that's really interesting second second thing I want to talk about DC is fucked here again as they have been repeatedly but they were doing Flashpoint and Michael Keaton Batman yeah announced before maybe this movie even was conceived and they got beaten to the punch because that's what Warner Brothers, you know, does every single time. They spend years on production hell development, and then they finally put out a movie that's just awful. And it's probably not even going to be a good movie, but uh-huh. people are always going to compare it to Spider-Man No Way Home. And what they're attempting to do in Flashpoint is going to be compared to Spider-Man No Way Home, which I think is uh, a big L for DC once again. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't know if I'd buy that deep into it. I'm actually super excited for the Flashpoint movie. Uh, I, I don't know why, but I love Flash as a character. And you're throwing Keaton in there. Dude, why not? I also am excited for, you know, the new Batman movie, which came out with a new new trailer recently. So I think DC's all right. I think you might be, you know, jumping the gun just because Marvel came out with one good movie this year out of four. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just mean from the, the, the bringing yeah, back the, the old characters. Yeah, like, yeah. They're not going to be first, so. 
no, you're not, you're not wrong there. But uh, yeah, I did also want to point out, um, it's kind of funny that we've done three Spider-Man movie reviews. Uh, <laughs> one of each one, too. Yeah, exactly. We did Spider-Man 1, the original for Toby, and then we went to, we went straight to number two for Andrew, and then we went straight to number three for Tom Holland. It is poetic. So we kind of just went in order, just, you know, like not in the right way, but I thought that was funny off the bat. And then, yeah, I did want to get just more into the movie as well. Um, like, it's not a perfect movie by any means. I think the plot and the pacing is, is definitely iffy at times. Um, but I mean, overall, it's just an experience. 16% of all Cap episodes have been dedicated to a Spider-Man film. I just wow. want to throw that out there. That's quick math there. I respect that. I could, I could knock on that, uh, you know, that quickly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the plot, I mean, also, a weird thing about the MCU lately, I feel like they're really trying to make Doctor Strange a thing. It's like in Mean Girls, you know? Stop trying to make Fetch a thing. Stop trying to make Doctor Strange a thing, dude. Like, we get it. Doctor Strange is cool. Don't throw him in every fucking movie. Like, I don't need to see him that often. Uh, I'm getting cummerbund over, over uh, you know, exposure here. Um, I don't know what it is about it, but it kind of just pisses me off that he's in all these movies so much. What do you think about that? <laughs> Uh, I think I did the math wrong. It's 10%. Uh, but moving on. <laughs> oh God. I, I forgot about season one. Oh you, can't, you can never forget season one. Uh, I like Dr. Strange. So personally, <clears throat> I don't have a huge issue. He's in uh, just too much though. Every single movie he's in. Well, and, it, and it takes away from the instances where he's not in movies. Uh, I think Eternals is like a big example of that. Where like, if there's a celestial coming out of the ground, you don't think that, well, I guess he's not the Sorcerer Supreme, but you don't think that like the most powerful wizard is going to like just not be around for that. Or you don't think he's going to come to Westview and handle things in WandaVision. You don't think he's going to be there for Shang-Chi when the entire gates of hell are opening or whatever. Like every like mystical thing that happens that Dr. Strange isn't involved with just doesn't make any sense at this point. He's doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, I agree with that. And he got beat by Spider-Man, so he's not that strong. Yeah, he got his ass kicked by geometry, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you got any other initial thoughts? This fatal thought. Uh, yeah, I got a, I got a couple things. First of all, uh, I actually really enjoyed the opening of this movie. Um, something specifically, I think the MCU does a really cool thing of playing with their opening sequences and their titles. Uh, obviously, you have the iconic Marvel logo that has kind of changed and warped depending you know both with phases and even the projects they're working on after infinity war all of the people that were blipped were removed from the logo the the wandavision logo is you know something specific whether it's black and white or the loki logo has you know different like all of them <clears throat> they always play around with them in interesting ways and i think the way that they open this movie with uh, it starts with sound over top of like the Sony logo and the Columbia logo and the Marvel logo. And it's all the sound of the, the news reports talking about uh, Spider-Man and, and obviously uh, the Mysterio news that has come out. And I just, I really like the way that Marvel has continued to play with that. We're going to have these opening logos, but we're also going to use them to tell a story um, as well as just starting with the sound in general. I think it is pretty interesting in this movie. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, uh, just back on what you're saying. I do like how, you know, they get creative a little bit with each movie with the, the Marvel logo. Obviously, the the uh, the dust away of uh, Endgame. I feel like that's that's definitely my favorite. Just so creative, so fun. Also, like, half the choirs playing during the uh, mm. theme as well. Like, just little details like that where, you, like, you go back on the second watch, and you're like, oh, dang, that's actually really cool that they thought of that. 
But uh, yeah, I definitely back that. And then the last thing I'll say, and this kind of gets us into stupidest part. Mm. So we can combine it here. Here's stupidest part. I don't love the VFX at points in this movie. And I've said this to a couple of people and I always get confused looks or uh, people are like, ah, eh, you're just being nitpicky. And, and I probably am being a little bit nitpicky, but I, I've now seen this movie three times in theaters, two times on an IMAX screen. You start to notice these things a lot more, even though I, I feel like I still felt them in the first watch. It was just more evident uh, second and third watch. Mm-hmm. There are just points where it looks rushed. It doesn't look the best, uh, specifically the bridge scene for me. I think the way Doc Ock is moving around is very unnatural. Um, I know the way they shot it was like him on a wire on a blue screen and it was just him floating around. And I felt like they kind of then had to go in and animate his octopus legs just based on the way his body's moving in free space. And I think they, the physics of that don't make a lot, a whole lot of sense rather than like having it pre-planned. Um, so I think it just looks wonky and there's some lighting stuff too, when it's like close up is on him. Um, I think the de-aging stuff looks great though. Like, I don't think, I think he looks good um, yeah. in terms of the de-aging. Uh, and then the other one is when he's fighting green goblin uh, right before Aunt May dies uh, in that apartment complex. There's some moments where it's just clearly there's good stunt work in that scene, but then there's also moments where you can tell neither of them is real people and they didn't film anything practically where it's an entire computer animation. Like Green Goblin is is a CG character. Spider-Man's a CG character. And it's like him picking him up and throwing him through a window. Uh, And I think they just don't do a good job of blending the two. It's not even that you can can use entirely CG characters. I mean, Spider-Man, for the most part in this movie, is entirely CG. Um, The suits are. And you can look at like The Amazing Spider-Man 2, where those entire fight sequences are just like computer animated, with very little practical filming um, involved and it is all CG and it flows together and it kind of fits the aesthetic where in this movie, it's like, it's some really like groundbreaking visual effects that look amazing and true to life. And then you have these one or two shots in there that just kind of fall into the uncanny Valley and it becomes all the more noticeable because stylistically it doesn't match up. Yeah, no, I definitely, there were points. I've only seen the movie once. I'll put that out there, but there were a couple of points where I, th- I think you're right. It, like visually, it's just like something is a little bit off. Maybe like you were talking about the blending. Um, I think the the reveal of the final suit at the end, I thought that kind of looked not great, if I'm being honest. That was one of the moments that stuck out to me. Uh, the bridge scene, it wasn't super noticeable for me, I don't think. Um, I think just the movement of Doc Ock is cool. But um, yeah, I mean, the other than the Batista bomb or uh, <laughs> by, by the Gavi, um, you know, that whole fight was, it, it was kind of hard to keep up with what was going on in the as well, just like the editing a little bit there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe they just blew out the budget getting, <laughs> getting these actors back. I don't really know. Maybe COVID had something to do with, you know, they didn't have enough time or something, but, um, definitely interesting. Maybe they'll come up with the final cut and it'll, it'll look a little bit sharper or something. I'm not sure. What is your stupidest part of this movie, Cody? Yeah, I got a couple. Um, first off, just right off the bat, um, the thing that really irks me in this movie, it's the waste of Daredevil. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> dude. Why is he even in this movie? Like, it's not necessary at all. Like, he's in it for, what, 30 seconds tops? He has, like, two lines, and it's just legal mumbo-jumbo. Um, and it, it all the legal crap just goes away within, like, 30 seconds anyways. So, I mean... I don't, I don't, I don't get why they put him in the movie, and then he like 
catcher's a brick, so I mean, I guess that's cool. But like, if you're just a casual, you're like, who the hell is this blind guy catching bricks? Like, like I would be so confused, and I feel like that's just so out of place and, and unnecessary. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, it, it's very much it's the Marvel thing of like they just put it in there to set up a future project. Maybe we get to see Spider-Man actually work together, and it maybe kind of confirms that potentially Daredevil is canon maybe we'll get a disney plus season four who knows i don't know it's more confusing than anything at the end of the day to me like yeah, yeah. i mean i am 100 down for you know a, a season four and everything i feel like i'm one of the you know just rare like big daredevil a netflix show fan not anymore bro everyone loves daredevil now supposedly i mean i think it's a good show um but if they do another season like i'm gonna be hyped but I mean, I'll talk about it later when we're talking about the Hawkeye finale as well. There's just some interesting stuff. But um, another one of my dumb parts, basically, I mean, this is just the entirety of the plot almost, but why not just cure all the villains like in their cages? Um, I feel like letting, you know, the clearly unstable Jamie Foxx out, uh, Willem Dafoe, you know, I don't know what's going on with him. His mind's all over the place. And then, you know, the lizards, legitimately threatening them the entire time he's in the cage i I don't understand why the need to take them to happy hogan's apartment was other than to get away from dr strange but i mean he's tied up evidently so i i don't see the the value in leaving you know their little dungeon there what do you think about that yeah i mean you're right they're probably better off keeping them in the cages obviously they they're a little unstable so maybe keeping them in the cages just pisses them off more but like they're in the cage so what are they gonna do at this point (laughs) like you could still heal them like i don't know you're just gonna piss them off um my my thing with that is in terms of plot holes uh electra shouldn't be a villain in this movie and i stand by that uh we've recently watched the amazing spider-man 2 yeah no point in that movie does jamie fox's electro know the identity of spider-man he does not right. know Peter Parker. What, he, is that it, even confirmed? That uh, They say it. They say it. I swear. Yeah. They say they're bringing – Doctor Strange says – I thought he said that in the trailer, though. <laughs> it's in the movie, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's not. Hey, man, I've seen it three times. <laughs> I In the movie, it says bringing everybody who knew P- Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Yeah. Or knows Peter Parker Spider-Man. Now, of course, you should also then get, you know, Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy and Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane, and they don't show up, and uh, Gwen Stacy's father should be there. You can say that only some of them were able to get through, which is fine, because you don't have, you know, Eddie Brock, uh, Topher Grace is Eddie Brock, and you don't have... Where the hell was Topher Grace? Dane DeHaan. Um, (laughs) But... Electra shouldn't be there, because he doesn't know who Peter, the Peter Parker Spider-Man. he literally thinks he's black. He thinks Spider-Man's black. So he definitely doesn't know Peter Parker's Spider-Man. That's in the movie. He's, he thinks uh, Spider-Man's black. Also, we know the moment that he is removed from the movie or removed into, moved into this universe is the moment in the movie right before they defeat him because he's talking about he just entered the grid, Good. downloaded a bunch of data. So it's not like, though, this is Electro from later on in the universe where maybe he finds out. So it just he shouldn't be in the movie. It doesn't make any sense. Someone explain it to me. I mean, I think there might have been a throwaway line in, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 where 
Dane DeHaan's like Peter Parker or something. And maybe well, like Emma Stone definitely probably calls him Peter, but like I don't. It just is. It's kind of flimsy. Yeah, no, it's it's very flimsy if I'm being honest. And yeah, I mean the whole just how the villains come back isn't really explained. Um, I guess maybe that that's basically a throwaway line itself as well. If if Doctor Strange even says that, oh, like oh, uh, everybody knew Peter Parker is coming back right now. But I, I mean, who doesn't know? And how does back. how does Doctor Strange know that just because he caught a lizard? I guess that's your argument is like Doctor Strange doesn't actually know, but literally all he did was catch the lizard, and then he's like, oh, all these people are from other universes because they know Peter Parker. Like, did he talk to the lizard? It seems like nobody even knew the lizard talked at that point. Yeah, uh, another good point. <laughs> I do have another dumb thing I want to The talk use about. of the lizard? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that in general. But um, basically the ending, I'm just going to skip to the end here because we talked about Aunt May a little bit uh, last week and I don't really want to get into that again. It's pretty stupid. Um, but basically, I d- it's another Doctor Strange group, so everybody hold their horses. But uh, I don't really understand why he couldn't put restrictions on the spell again like he was going to at the beginning of the movie so obviously at the beginning like they changed the spell like six times or whatever it was um for all the people peter still wanted to know it was him and uh, i mean you got half i mean you got rid of like you know half those people anyways so why not just put a spell with ned and mj knowing who he is um and then also aren't mj and ned gonna be like why the hell was I at the Statue of Liberty when there was a massive firefight with Spider-Man? Like, there's going to be footage of them there, right? So they're going to know, like, they were connected somehow and, and something happened along the way. Like, they're not idiots. They're going to figure that out, right? I mean, there's definitely some questions about, like, how, does the spell change reality? Do, like, does it delete any pictures they had with Peter Parker? Because, yeah, like, exactly. it seems like it seems like Peter Parker is just, like, not not even a real person anymore. Like, that's basically what the spell does. Like Peter Parker is erased because he doesn't go to high school with them anymore. He's testing for a GED. Like his records, does he even have a social security number? How's this guy going to live? <laughs> How'd he get an apartment? What money? Yeah. If he, does he have a bank account still? Like it, it's a little confusing. Um, something that I heard on another podcast um, talking about this movie is that it's very clear where they wanted to end up at the end of this movie. Yeah. So, First of all, they wanted nobody in the MCU to know who Spider-Man was so that going forward for future Spider-Man trilogy, they can, quote unquote, remain closer to the roots of the character, you know, being on maybe a more neighborhood level Mm -hmm. um, and not being ingrained and attached to the MCU's other characters. That's a big gripe. I mentioned it last week that a ton of people had is that they called, you know, him Iron Boy Jr., that he relied too much on people like Doctor Strange or Tony Stark as a character, and they weren't his own solo movies which has been for the most part true of the Spider-Man's MCU doesn't, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, but it, but it is accurate. So it's clear they wanted him to be more separated from that and to, to be able to have his own story moving forward. So they wanted that they wanted a spell. Okay. Nobody knows Peter Parker's Spider-Man anymore. Okay. Let's do it with Dr. Strange. They also said, we want the climactic final fight to be bringing back all these characters. We want the lizard. We want Sandman. We want, uh, uh for Grace's Venom, that's too confusing. No. Uh, Dane DeHaan, Green Goblin. Nah, that'll just be weird with Willem Dafoe. We, oh, we want Green Goblin. Oh, we want Alfred Mio Doc Ock. They got the villains they wanted. They said, how do we get these villains in this universe? Let's make up some bullshit about a Doctor Strange spell. And we'll just pretend like these. this is the reason why these villains need to be in the movie. It, it's, 
very poorly constructed up to that point of what they want. Like they kind of just threw it together after the fact. It's definitely building reverse here. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, the entire reset, like, is exactly what you said. They just want it closer to the comics. I mean, this is basically just an origin story. We we got through three movies just to go, you know, where Marvel, like, eventually wanted to see a Spider-Man trilogy. Well, I think it's really where they where Sony wanted to see it go. Well, that's probably if true. If I were to guess. But... I mean, yeah, the whole, the whole um, like, there's an entire argument just about getting this movie made. Like, originally... If the if the deal with Sony didn't pan out for like another trilogy, I think they were just going to do like a Craven movie straight up. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I'm sure Sony had you know a big hand in this movie, and I'm sure they're going to give themselves a lot of credit. And uh, I think we might not see a good Spider-Man movie for a while. So <laughs> bold statement there. Well, but, and also by doing uh, this, it yeah. makes it so much easier if there is a end to that relationship at some point between uh, Sony and Marvel again. Uh, or there's some restriction where he can't show up in a certain movie, maybe a future Avengers movie. It just eliminates him from needing to be there. Because right prior to this movie, it'd be weird if Spider-Man wasn't a part of the Avengers. After this movie, you can understand why maybe, I mean, he Spider-Man still exists. Spider-Man as a character in the MCU still exists. He was, he still saved the world. Everybody knows that. They just don't know Peter Parker, Spider-Man. I don't know. No, it, it's definitely confusing, but um. I mean, he's he's basically not in the MCU, but he is. But I mean, he's not connected to anybody anymore, so no. there's no reason for him to Zero pop connection. up. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you have anything else stupid you want to talk about this movie? <laughs> We've kind of droning on here. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, right, I got I got one one last thing. Go for it. Why is it that? Listen, I've been to New York, Times Square. It's crazy for sure. There's oh, you you've been there. TVs all over the place, and there one time. <laughs> The TVs don't just like play the news though, and no. they play sound. Yeah. They play ads mostly. <laughs> it's literally just yeah, yeah, ads and and you know, but there's not sound. Like you couldn't just go to Times Square and every TV would be a basically. I mean, the way this movie makes it seems like Alex Jones, they wouldn't just turn the Daily Wire uh, or not. That's Ben Shapiro. They wouldn't turn whatever Alex Jones's show is called. <laughs> they wouldn't turn Ben Shapiro on either and just broadcast it and then have like the audio playing too like it just doesn't really make any sense and there's the scene where after aunt may dies peter parker's on a random building and there's just a giant screen of J. Jones jameson yelling at him and telling him he's terrible but like it's the it's what midnight right now and they're just blaring this tv screen in the middle of a, a new york neighborhood not even hey. where, just a random neighborhood <laughs> J. Jones jameson's got pole in this neighborhood dude just making it- I'm he wants news. <laughs> if J. Jonah Jameson wants news on it, two a.m., he's you're damn right he's gonna get it. All right, you're disrespecting the man. Like if there was a world event that was like really crazy, like I like you know in the Martian when everybody's watching on you know Times Square, like that kind of shit, sure. But yeah. just J. Jonah Jameson like breaking news: Peter Parker, Spider Man, and it's suddenly just being played to all of New York on like the big screens. I don't know. I mean, that is kind of a big deal. It's a big deal, but it makes it seem like that's live, like a live broadcast coming in. I mean, maybe it's an old clip, but it it's still strange. Like, okay, the one after Aunt May's death makes zero sense. Yes. You cannot give me – it's no. there just to make Peter Parker feel worse about himself. Yeah, I agree with that one. But the first one I kind of buy, I mean, 
if we found well, out not you know, even in Times Square too, I don't think in that first one, I, they're just on a random New York corner, which is what makes it, I guess the MCU is more like a futuristic world, but still, I, I don't know. Yeah. This is five years into the future as well. So maybe, maybe things have changed, you know, who knows? Well, and even like when it wasn't the future, there's aliens and Iron Man shit, like <laughs> things that don't exist existed even in yeah, the present day, but exactly. So uh, yeah, it's a different universe. Who knows, dude? News is weird. <laughs> Let's uh let's move on and talk about our favorite scene. She is very gorgeous to me. Cody, what's your favorite scene in this movie? Yeah, I got a couple. I mean, uh, we'll rag on this movie all day, but I still got a lot of favorite scenes here. Um, obviously the the introduction of Andrew Garfield, I think, is is by far my favorite scene. Um, just the, his inter- yeah, his interaction with uh, you know, MJ and Ned is great. His interaction with and Ned's grandma. Yeah, the grandma is golden. Him crawling around, him doing stuff for him. I just love it. Andrew Garfield. I, I like. I, I, I was saying this is like a bold take before. I don't really think it is anymore. I think Andrew Garfield's the best Spider-Man. That's he my just got terrible scripts. Yeah, it was not his fault. It, but um, that's definitely. And he loved that. I think he loved that character more than any of them did. Yeah. No. And was I mean, and was and very upset and very hurt that those movies did not work out and did not pay. Oh out. yeah. He's very passionate about his fight. And I think this is a good thing for him to have an opportunity like this uh, to get a little, <laughs> be consoled a little bit and have an, you know, an end to his story. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Not necessarily an end to his story, but at least, you know, a bookend. Some sort of conclusion. Yeah. And then um, I talked about in the last episode as well, them swinging around at the end is awesome. I think it's art. That's just pure art there. I mean, the movements, I mean, that clip is everywhere. I've seen it probably a billion times uh like i mean if you're on tiktok i mean obviously you've seen the entire movie by now but um that's that's art in my book and then uh you were ragging on earlier a little bit i like the initial doc ock fight i think it's pretty sick uh and then the electro sandman you know little little mid battle as well in between I, I think it's pretty cool a lot of good action honestly in this movie um yeah i mean obviously the the spider verse stuff is mostly my favorite yeah, I, I mean, I like the Doc Ock fight as a whole. I think it has a really uh, interesting use of like that space, like yeah. going across the top of the bridge and you know over top the train tracks and then uh, underneath of it. I, and I think the way it utilizes um, the actual area, it makes it feel real in space at least. So that's good. Um, the only other scene that you didn't mention, um, I really actually like the one shot. So there's this one shot that they do when Peter Parker first comes back to the apartment, like it's right in the opening um, when him and MJ, you know, like have the fake sex joke or whatever. Um, yeah. he, he comes into the apartment and you see like they open the door and from like the second that they open the door into mm-hmm. the room with Peter and MJ, everything after that point is, it was one continuous take up into like they find out that he's Spider-Man. So like the camera pans around and you see the person at the door and then there's, he goes and closes this window and it goes back to, and it's just a really cool, I think to start a movie with something like that, um, specifically in a scene where there's a, supposed to be a ton of anxiety. Like Peter Parker just found out that literally everybody in the world knows he's Spider-Man and happy and may don't know it yet. They obviously also just had their little breakup or whatever. Um, and I just think, the way that that single take and never cutting away from it, it does a great job of building that anxiety and just creates a really cool scene. It's also super well choreographed with them, uh, you know, Zendaya running over to the door to shut the door and him having to close every single blind and, and whipping some of them and not others. And one of them goes back up and it's just, it's, 
it's an achievement of filmmaking within a movie that is already a great achievement of filmmaking so yeah no i love scenes like that uh, especially like any sort of camera work where <laughs> it is a longer take like that uh i definitely agree with that i mean just in general i think that's just like showing showing your muscles a little bit as a filmmaker if you're able to pull that off effectively and uh i think it's pretty seamless as well so yeah i, I definitely back that Hey Cody, what's your favorite? Uh, or sorry, <laughs> you don't even know our categories, dude. Jeez. This guy calls himself a host. Come on now, <laughs> Corbin. Who can act in this movie, dude? Wow. Uh, I got a couple. Uh, I think the obvious one that everyone you know has been saying, pushing for the best Oscar, uh, best actor nomination from for the boy. I guess best supporting actor nomination for the boy Willem Dafoe, uh, the man himself. I personally don't think it's that great. Like it's not on that level. I don't think you should win an Oscar for this, but I do think Willem Dafoe is a great actor and very good in this movie. Um, Andrew Garfield, I think is the best actor of the three Spider-Man just period. And even in this movie as well, uh, he's just having a lot of fun. Uh, you can tell how much fun he's having. Also just the emotional moment he has when he finally saves uh, the girl and he finally gets to save Zendaya after you know redeeming himself for the mistakes he made with Gwen Stacy I think his emotion there is also really great but the person I actually want to talk about that I think is a very underrated part of this movie is Jacob Batalon as Ned I think he is so great in this movie and him in uh Tom Holland's chemistry is off the charts which I was do, uh, watching an interview and that's actually the reason he got hired he didn't really have any um, prior acting experience before homecoming but they were just doing a lot of screen tests with uh, with different actors against Tom Holland um, and him and Tom Holland just like clicked and were like instant best friends. And you can clearly tell through this movie, like uh, they're any scene where they interact is absolute comedy gold. I love the one where the three of them are working in the lab and like Jacob Batalon goes over to Andrew Garfield's or Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. He's like, oh, did you have a best friend? And he does the whole thing like, oh yeah, he tried to kill me. And just like the look on his face, and then, like, the way he slowly approaches uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man after that, like, touching the computer and then running away. Fantastic. He's also really good with Zendaya, which I think in the previous movies, there wasn't really a relationship there at all. But I think, like, them and his grandma and then, like, the two Spider-Mans in the room, just their dynamic is a lot better and well fleshed out in this movie. And I think it's cool to see their friendship as well. So, Jacob Batalon, fantastic in this movie. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Mr. Batalon as well. Um, so definitely a good pick there. And then my two that I had down for um, who can act, you actually touched on them both. But uh, I'll continue it. Andrew Garfield, you know, I'm going to keep shouting him out the entire the entire pod. So uh, I think he is one of the better actors in this movie, without a doubt. Um, like you said earlier, I mean, he was finally given a, like a good and fun script, and you do have those emotional emotional moments with him as well, which is awesome. Um, yeah, my who can act. It's Willem Dafoe. Uh, you're talking about Oscars over here. I'm not too sure about that. He's in the movie for like, you know, 20 minutes. I, I don't know if that's Oscar worthy, unless you're Mahershal Ali out here. But um, yeah, the beautiful thing is they listen to me. I think I said this last week, but I'm going to repeat it again because they actually listen to me. Willem Dafoe doesn't need, he doesn't need that stupid mother effing mask from Spider-Man 1. He's got a crazy, insane face. They destroyed the mask in the first five minutes he's in the movie, and I was hyped. I mean, his facial expressions 
are just so fun, so over the top, so crazy. He is the standout villain, obviously, in this movie. Um, and coming in, you know, I thought it was going to be Doc Ock just because, you know, like, Alfred Molina is such a good actor. Like, Spider-Man 2 is such a good movie. And all marketing material seems to indicate that fact yeah, as well. 100%. I mean, and, and Willem Dafoe stole the show, if I'm being honest, from a villain standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of this movie, but uh, I'm not sure I'm on the Oscar train yet. But uh, <laughs> maybe give it a couple of weeks. TikTok is, but um, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk Oscars here in a few more categories. <laughs> Cody, who can't act? You know, th- this is a tough one. Um, I don't think anybody's noticeably terrible in this movie. I, I got a couple names out here. Uh, maybe you disagree. I-, I do have a worse actor. My honorable mention is actually Zendaya. Um, you know, I think she's a good actress. Obviously, she's a good actress. But in this movie, she's not given much to do. Obviously, that's not really her fault. But her character, like, she had that shtick in the first couple of movies that I was kind of growing accustomed to. I kind of like that where, you know, she's a super downer. But, I mean, that's that's flipped on a switch in this movie. We don't really get any of that. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Like, she's not bad, but she's not good either by any means. So, she's my they make her best. less of a sarcastic asshole in this movie. Yeah, I kind of like the sarcastic asshole. Like, they kind of, they put her a little bit, like, on a leash a little bit and like rail it reel her back in she still does the negative thing a little bit i mean you have like the expect disappointment and like never be disappointed thing yeah. but the the sarcastic like quippy asshole thing is just gone and i hate that and i guess it's just because she's you know all sappy for peter parker but come on still busting yeah. balls a little bit exactly it's like character growth and you know she's growing up or whatever but you know i i don't buy it much but he uh, hates female character development you heard it come on <laughs> uh no comment uh no obviously not uh but yeah my worst actor um is a doozy it's uh mr sandman himself thomas hayden church um and it's just for one reason it's because he didn't do any acting in this movie they used the exact same footage of him from spider-man 3 like he couldn't make it i swear it's the reverse footage of him turning into sandman it is no, yeah, it's it's that footage, but in reverse. It literally is. He could not get on set to film anything, so they had to use stock footage from Spider-Man Three. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he well, did. They used his voice. He did yeah, voice he acting. Got, yeah, yeah. He, he, okay, voice acting. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, Andy Serkis all of a sudden. But uh, I mean, dude, he got credit in the he got credit in the credits. Call me on that. Thomas Aiden Church, Sandman bullshit he didn't do anything you could have put me down a sandman and i'd have the exact same argument so uh yeah that, that's my worst actor come on thomas hayden church get on set for a day and you know film one scene you could definitely be that well you you do know that they also did that for uh the reese iphens the guy who plays uh kurt connors he was never on set nobody either. cares about kurt connors but i'm saying lizard, like the lizard is not even in this movie you can't convince me but i'm saying his dialogue was recorded in post and he was just there. He wasn't even there to do the final scene where he turns back into a human. That was also taken footage from Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man. Well, nobody ever watches that movie, so. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. put him down too. Fine, call them together. You know who the can act, Cody? The lizard's a joke. Yeah. You know I who can even... act? Yeah, who? First of all, have you seen the TikToks where all the people were like, yeah, man, I don't think this homework would be so bad if I was just a lizard. <laughs> Like, I, have, I, have. Yeah, I imagine life would be so much better he's kind of oh. something curtis connor yeah he's all right i i know who you're gonna say who can't act but uh i don't think he's that bad but god 
Toby Maguire, not great yeah. in this movie. I think he's all right. He's, okay. I think he's really stiff and kind of lacking in a lot of emotion. Obviously, he's kind of doing what he did in the original exactly. Spider-Man movies, but in a worse way. I think it's because he's older now and it's like creepier because it's it, there's like a little bit of like a like a, a like a creeperness to it like it just makes me a little uncomfortable when he talks and it it's just very unnatural in like lacking social skills uh and i just don't i think it him being older it plays pretty horribly i think it works a little bit in the campiness of the sam raimi films but put into this universe him doing that it's just it's weird it's bad and it's also just not that great of acting. Like, I feel like anybody could act like that. Yeah. I mean, going back to our original pod on just Spider-Man, the original, I mean, I think we all had a unanimous saying that Tobey Maguire was fucking terrible in that movie. Um, and he's playing the same character here. So he, he's, he's doing the same things. But I mean, I just don't, I don't think it's not. The thing is, it's not Rami. Di- sorry, Rami dialogue. Like, I feel yeah. like Sam Rami's dialogue kind of fit. the way he was playing that character but like here when you just put him in the mcu it it doesn't work well like him doing the whole back cracking thing or like (laughs) that was funny (laughs) (laughs) like he just does stuff where he's like oh i do have that like yeah like when he was oh my webs are organic how do you guys make them like shut up dude i fought a black goo alien from space (laughs) yeah i mean i tell me mcguire i've never been a big fan of his i'd say just in general there's a reason that he other than his gambling addiction there's another reason that he has not been in a lot of movies since spider-man one of them being his gambling addiction but the second one is he's not a very good actor yeah what what movie is that that you like where michael sarah plays him molly's game yeah Yeah. interesting take there but um i mean yeah i don't think he's bad but He's not noticeably noticeably bad. I think he's just doing the character again, which was fun in, in small doses. If I see it again, uh, it might change my mind on it just because it's just like, oh, I know Toby Maguire's in this movie. Let's see how he's acting instead of, you know, just being like, wow, I can't believe he's in the movie. Uh, yeah, that's true. When the, the excitement of it wore off a little bit, you can, you know, pick down or get a little nitpicky with that stuff. Uh, why don't we take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back with the recast. And we're back. We're gonna get started with the recast. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. Cody, who do you want to recast in this movie? I got a couple picks. I'll start off with my controversial one here. Um, I know for a fact you're not gonna like this, but uh we're gonna go with it anyways. Um, so you know what? I mean the one the one character that um I said was a very bad actor and just in general, Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, let's get rid of Sandman. He, he's not my favorite villain. Spider-Man Three is obviously iffy, and you know to cherry pick him out of. So are you? You're Spider-Man. about to change villains, not recast the role of Sandman. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of changing the roles of the recast, anyways. But you know, fuck it. Um, so we're getting rid of that character in general, and we're bringing back one of my favorites from the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh, Mr. Dane Dodd himself, the Green Goblin. Um, obviously, we would have two goblins in one Spooderman movie, and uh, it, it makes sense though because he's Harry, and we have Norman already, and we're kind of missing a Harry. You know, there was Timmy, Timmy Chalamet. You know, oh, he'd be great. 
fuck no. Give me Dane DeHaan. Uh, basically, I think Dane DeHaan's a, a good actor in my book, at least. And uh, same with Andrew Garfield. He's kind of had a shitty script for Amazing Spider-Man 2. So uh, any fits, like I said, like there's a there's a hairy hole there they can go into. Um, and yet. A like, what? <laughs> a hairy hole. <laughs> but I mean, Sandman is just boring and he brings nothing to the table. Like he's basically a good guy anyways. Like there's no real reason for him to come back as, you know, a villain role. Give me the psycho Dane DeHaan, you know, let's cure him and he can be, you know, Andrew Garfield's buddy again. Uh, you know, because they're friends, supposedly. But, uh, yeah, why not? He's a good actor. I like Danon. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely given a poor script, so it's unfortunate. It would be nice to see him get a little redemption as well uh, when it wasn't really his fault, even though I did say he was a bad actor. Um, But I I don't know. That was a different podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear your recast. I will say that I saw a TikTok today of Dane DeHaan where his mom kept calling him and telling him, like, oh, I can't wait to see you in the new Spider-Man movie or like, oh, you're in the new Spider-Man movie and she wouldn't believe when him when he said he wasn't in it, but he really wasn't in it. So. That's so sad. That is so sad. <laughs> um, my recast is, I hate the way Flash Thompson is right now. Really? Tony Revolver? Or, you know, come on. I do. I like him as an actor. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he's okay. He's. <laughs> I've only seen him in like the Grand Budapest Hotel and I don't like yeah. him that much. Um, But I just think the like woke 2021 bully version of flash Thompson. I mean, that's basically what it is. If we're being honest, like reinvent the bully. Uh, Nah, give me like a big, a big dude who could actually kick Peter Parker's ass. That's what I want to see. So I have a weird pitch here and and they're too big for this role. But I think if you put this person in the role, then we actually can maybe get like an agent venom or, you know, some sort of storyline with, with flash Thompson. Mm -hmm. And, And my pick is I want John Boyega to be flash Thompson. Yeah. He's a little bit older. He's definitely a little old, but the whole thing is he's going to be a f- held back a few years from high school or, or some BS or I don't know. He's from, he's from a different, he, you know, spent a couple years overseas and he had to retake some classes. I don't know. He's British. How about that? Yeah. He's British and they do school differently. So he, he's just a little older, you know? <laughs> but I, I think Jay, uh, John Boyega dude's handsome as hell. He could actually, you know, put up you know him and tom holland have something to compete about they're both cool guys him and <laughs> tony revolori he's a loser so there's wow i bet yeah. tony revolori you know could do pretty well here but um yeah you know not a bad pick i'd prefer joe manginello um just keeping the same as he is now <laughs> but uh, that's not a bad pick honestly i, I like john Bovega. Uh, but i do have one more recast and um you know what i want to see the rhino in this movie as well he was name dropped, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I want to. He should have pulled up at the end, just the only one to make it out of like the the purple glow or whatever. And Dave Batista just comes rocking out as the Rhino. I mean, <laughs> you can't beat that. I'm pretty sure I did this exact same thing in the Amazing Spider-Man Two episode, but I don't care. I've been talking about Dave Batista for a while. Get him in this universe, dude. How have they not cast that yet? That's the most obvious casting of all time. And uh, Dave Batista is in the MCU. <laughs> okay, as a Christmas colored alien, get him as the Rhino. Get him with He's blue Paul and Giamatti. red. I don't care. Get him with a Paul Giamatti, you know, barbed wire face tattoo. He's unrecognizable. Uh, that's who I want in the next movie as well. But uh, we're, we're recasting for this one too. So throw Dave Batista in at the end. Why not? Fair enough. Uh, those are the take. Those are the 
that's the kind of take that people listen to this podcast for, Cody. So Damn right. <laughs> let's move on to Welcome to the Academy. This, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. Cody, what awards are you giving this film? I got a few. Um, well, first off, I did want to address, um, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but supposedly they're doing like a full-on Oscar campaign for a few categories mm. here. I believe one of them was Best Picture. and. Uh, <laughs> I hope that's a joke because, I mean, come on. Uh, what, what do you think about that? I, I don't know, and That's kind of pushing it in my book. This movie should not win Best Picture. It should not be nominated. It should not even be close, in my opinion. The Oscars are at a crossroads right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say it should be nominated right now. I do not. Of the movies I've seen, it's in my top ten favorite. Sure. Of the year. Uh, but there's a ton of things that I have not seen. Uh, things that aren't even released yet. That are going to be Oscar contenders. It sucks. Um, it's probably not one of the 10 best movies. It's probably not one of the, like the 30 best movies. 40, 50. Like I, you could probably go on. There's I mean, better. It's, ma- probably, it's probably close around there. I don't think it's. It's probably top like top 40. Yeah, it's probably like top 25. I don't know. In terms of like pure, just like actual skill and like good filmmaking. I don't know. It's yeah. not top 10. No. But <laughs> the Oscars nominating Spider-Man No Way Home for Best Picture here is exactly what the Oscars need, if we're being honest. No. The Oscars need – nobody watched the Oscars last year. No one has watched the Oscars for the last 10 years. People need to care about this shit again, and they have to find a way for people to care Personally, I think by introducing new categories that can be more inclusive to all sorts of different types of movies, including superhero movies, including comedies, including horror movies, just things that people enjoy watching, I think that's the solution. But for now, I think a Spider-Man nomination, it's not, to me, it's not unheard of. The thing is, Best Picture isn't necessarily the 10 best movies. It, it's supposed to be a little bit of a cultural culmination of the year in, in, in the movies that are, you know, have the biggest impact on the industry and on, on culture as a whole. It, literally, I think in one of our, one of the clips I used is like somebody saying, and here's the movies that had the biggest impact. Cause that's like what the Oscars is. Like, it's not necessarily the best performance. Like there's more that goes into it. It, is not, it should not win best picture but i'm i'm okay if it gets nominated yeah i'm also okay if it doesn't though so mm-hmm. i definitely it, it won't win obviously it might get nominated i would be very surprised i mean based off of what you're saying i i agree with some of it I, I do think the oscar obviously the viewership's down they do need to find more ways to include more movies that people you know actually go out and see um that's their own problems i mean I don't think the Oscars should change their specific categories just because like a movie's successful or something. I don't think that's what you're saying at all either, but I mean, just throwing this movie a nomination for best picture because it was a cultural milestone. I don't know if I buy that. Um, yeah. I'm sure we could talk about this for forever, but uh, my first Oscar I want to give this movie is uh, is basically, I think it's got one of the best end credit songs. Um I don't know if you know what song it is, Corbin. You want to sing Avatar it? Avatar was nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> Avatar. 
Okay, we're staying eyes. Yeah, okay. Avatar. What was that? Like 2009? What the hell? Exactly. In 2009, 2009, even more so, like where this is. Because it made like $4 billion and nobody is. This is going to make. (laughs) We can move on. Sorry. No, you're good. I I like this argument. I I mean, for Avatar, I think that is the cultural milestone because, like, that's changing filmmaking. Like, I think The Matrix probably should have been nominated in 1999 because that changed how movies were made. That's the same thing with Avatar, I think, with that entire CG like just ridiculousness that what that movie is and yeah like black panther was nominated i think that was valid as well well you know what wasn't nominated the dark knight <laughs> well that's that's true that's but a travesty there, there was only like what five nominations in 08 yeah right well that's the thing we've have 10 now too so yeah. why not like that's the reason they expanded the lineup in the first place was to be yeah. more inclusive of movies like this um so the, the thing is i don't think this is like a top tier comic book movie i don't think it's on even Black Panther's level where, you know, it's not the best third act, but I think Black Panther's a better movie than this one. That's my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely think that's true. I haven't seen Black um, Panther recently enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, yeah, do you know the the uh, the end credit song? Do you know, do you know how it goes? I want to hear you sing it. This song? This yeah. movie? Yeah. Three. It's a magic, it's a magic number. <laughs> It's and then so he raps. Good. Yeah, so good. It's so fitting. Three times three. I mean, it's very yeah. fitting. I I like it. So that was one of mine. And then uh, my other Oscar, I wanted to give it, um, which we we did talk about briefly last week as well. But I think this is the worst end credit scenes in MCU history. Um, you know, the Doctor Strange. What about the Hawkeye end credit scene? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that was, that was pretty bad too. I'm not gonna lie. But um, we're talking about movies here um i think it's gotta be up there it's definitely in the top five in my opinion obviously there's been a shit ton of marvel movies and you could probably cherry pick like i don't know what the hell is the, the captain marvel's probably up that's the thing i can't think of i've always felt like guardians and credit scenes were never that great but i don't remember what the first one was uh well i mean the mid credits one was like group dancing um was i know the, the second one was like leading to you know will poulter coming in but i don't know yeah, Guardians Volume Two. It was what Adam Adam Warlock or whatever. Volume One probably had something to do with his dad. I'm guessing. What the hell was the end credit scenes for Volume One? I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah, uh, it's too late. We're recording at like midnight. Um, but yeah, I mean, this. Oh, also, sorry, this is a day late because that's Cody's fault. Yeah, yeah well, actually, no, it's, I, it's Amy's Webb's fault. But yeah, I mean, dude, I, I've been on a family bender. Oh, dude, the end credit scene of that is the fucking duck. Oh, that's that's golden. That's the Guardians written all over it, though. Nah, you can't diss that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Sorry for the late release. It is my fault. Uh, my bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, dude, come on. What the fuck is this bullshit? I don't care about Venom. If I'm being honest, and it's not even a cool like Venom and credit scene. It's just like saying, oh, he's not legit in the universe. Sick. Like, who cares? I'm not. I, I don't. I don't care about it in general. And then he's not even in the universe to begin with. So sick. And then. I mean, they just roll out the Doctor Strange show there, which it looks cool. But I mean, I'm already a little, you know, cumberbund overload. And then, I mean, and you could literally they release that trailer the next day, a week, like a week within the movie being released. So you didn't even need to stay like for it. There's no yeah. reason you could just watch it. I just wasted you know 20 minutes of my life watching all the special effects guys not do their jobs. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I said this last week. I'm gonna repeat it again, dude. If they just did the Wanda scene where he just rolls up and she's like, 
uh, I knew you'd show up eventually. And she's, he's like, I'm not here about Westview. Then fucking cut it. Like, that's dope. I'm not an editor, but I, I could literally tell you how to edit these scenes and make them cool. Like, it's not that hard. Like, that's a cool scene in the trailer. Just stick it at the end. We don't need to see the whole fucking movie. Um, but yeah, th- those are my Oscars. You know, one positive, one negative. So, a little bit of both ways. My uh, only other one I had, I wanted to talk about the best picture thing that was on my list. Okay. The other thing was best Spidey sense in a movie or any in adaptation. I think the way that they like visualize the Spidey sense in this movie is sick and is kind of never been done like super interestingly. Like, I don't know. It always kind of does the slow motion thing, but it, it does the, the slow motion with the dolly in and the zoom out. So the, the back, I can't remember the name of the, the zoom. Uh, You're talking about the, the goblin. Uh, he, he discovers goblin. Right? Uh, I think it's literally just called a dolly zoom. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a specific name for it. Uh, it's, it's like a Hitchcock shot. It's a dolly zoom. So you yeah. move the camera in, but then you also zoom out. Right. So the field of view gets wider, but the subject stays the same uh, like de- depth in your frame. You can also do the reverse where you move backwards and zoom in. It was used famously like in Vertigo, which is why it's called the Hitchcock shot. Um, and it, it's, it's creating this like feeling of uneasiness in the viewer and like telling like some, maybe a revelation has happened. Um, and I think it's really cool the way they use that to demonstrate the spidey sense in this movie. And I think it's the best that they've done um, on screen up to this point. Yeah, no, that is uh, a good point. That Spidey sense scene is, is very cool. Um, just like creatively how, how they, you know, visualize that. I like in the past movies in this MCU trilogy as well, like the first one, they just ignored the Spidey sense straight up. And then suddenly it's there in Infinity War. And then the last one, it's like the Peter Tingle. So they're kind of, you know, just making a joke out of it, which I wasn't a big fan of. But yeah, I think they nailed it in this movie. All right, let's move on to weird movie details trivia. Naked grandma! Naked, huh? I told you before the episode that my question is not that great, so why don't you get it started? Okay, I got a couple. The first one I think is a gimme, but uh, I mean, you've seen the movie three times, so it's kind of just like a small detail. (laughs) I'm assuming you're going to get it right. Um, But yeah, the question is, what does the brick say on it that Daredevil catches in uh, Peter's apartment? And... uh, I ain't got no options, so let's hear it. Says Mysterio was right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I've only seen it once, and I just Which, thought that was fucking hilarious. So I wanted to include that. You know, they've had the like the Thanos is right stuff in Hawkeye, which like that yeah. kind of makes sense that like people would say that, but like Mysterio <laughs> was right. What did he do? What was his view? Like I don't like, understand. Like I guess he's just saying he's right that you killed him. i don't know if that's been disproved they also gloss over we mentioned that last week last time we talked they definitely gloss over the whole like how does peter get out of the legal trouble here yeah uh but he's got a really good lawyer so he's all right how many questions you got you want to ask another one um i have like one more but it's kind of two but they're they're okay i'll just i'll ask mine so the Spider-Man uh, trilogy that was just finished up was actually the first trilogy in the MCU to be directed all by one singular director, that being John Watts. Yeah. Of the three other trilogies, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, there have been a total of eight different directors. Okay. You want me to name them? Name six of eight. 
Why not? Why not all eight, dude? Name all eight. Can you do it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, Iron Man one and two. We got John Favreau. Uh, Iron Man three. We got Shane Black, which uh, you know I'm not a big fan of his, but uh, not a big fan of Iron Man three either. But uh, you know Thor one. We got uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh. Uh, you know Shakespeare man himself. Thor two was supposed to be Patty Jenkins. Oh man, it was uh, who the hell directed Thor two? It was uh, I believe it was a woman director. I should really know her name if it's not Patty Jenkins. Uh, obviously, you know Thor three is uh, Taika Waititi. Thor two is just so forgettable. It's not because she's a woman, guys. <laughs> we got Captain America one. Oh fuck, I don't know who directed that either. Captain America 2 and 3 is obviously the Russo brothers. Um, who the hell directed Captain America 1? Yeah, <laughs> I was talking myself about MCU trivia, and I don't You're know. You're like, oh, I can name them all. <laughs> oh, man, I, I know this, but I don't remember. Thor 2 is not a woman. It's not. It was supposed to be Patty Jenkins. Who the? I mean, it wasn't, you know, Macbeth boy. He also can... just directed the Mini Saints of Newark, uh, and directed a couple episodes of Game of Thrones, Terminator that... Genesis. Yeah, that makes sense. Who is that? Mad, couple Mad Men episodes. What's his name? Alan Taylor. Oh, I would have never got that in a million years. Who the hell directed Captain America One? Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Yeah, that's the most forgettable name in the in the uh, industry. So, uh, you know, I'm not too mad. I missed that. Was, that's, that's a joke of a director. Pretty Joe Johnston. Sorry. Yeah, said Johnston. His name wrong. He also did the visual <laughs> effects on Indiana Jones and the Raiders of Lost Ark. So. Didn't he direct Ghost Rider? That's somebody else. I don't know. He directed October Sky, The Rocketeer. <laughs> October Sky. I was talking about that movie with Jonah the other day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good question. I think technically I got it right, but um, you missed two. So by yeah, the original this. parameters, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, and, I'll uh, take Mark Steven Johnson directed Ghost, yeah, directed Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, but my second question it's a doozy. Um, so I'm going to give you two Spider-Man movies, and you're going to have to tell me which one has a higher IMDb rating. And I have uh, I have two different you know sets of movies here to compare. So the first one is going to be you know obviously No Way Home here. And then it's going up against a Spider-Man Into classic, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Two. Toby oh, Maguire. I bet this has a higher IMDb rating. You're going No Way Home. Yeah. Uh, you're correct, but uh, it, it's very slim margin, so don't be so confident over there, my guy. Uh, no Way Home currently, or I guess currently, like uh, you know, three hours ago when I looked it up, is at ninety-four percent uh, critics I'm talking to here, uh, and Spider-Man Two is at ninety-three. So it's actually very, very close. And then... Well, I thought uh, we were doing people, the 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 IMDb, no. you know, like the... Audience, audience scores are a joke. Uh, <laughs> the, the difference on Letterboxd is a whole 0.5, so... Sick. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Rotten Tomatoes here. But, uh, do your research. Uh, <laughs> and then I have a quadruple... I have a... Uh, Whatever, dude. I, I can't. I don't have words tonight. I got three options here. You tell me which one's the highest on our Rotten Tomatoes. We got Spider-Man 1, the original Tony McGuire. We got Spider-Man Homecoming, the original Tom Holland. We got Spider-Man Far From Home. Which one has the highest IMDb? 
little bit tougher here. Homecoming. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Homecoming is at 92. The other two both have 90. That first Spider-Man movie has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I could not believe my eyes when I saw that. That movie is fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, good shit on the you know IMDb this week. I mean, uh, whatever. We're movie trivia. Trivia. Three for three. Yeah, respect. <laughs> Let's move on to pitch time. Cody, what's your... Oh, no, you're going first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I don't know how to, well, my question to you is, did you pick, what's your pitch? Is it a pitch for the, the next trilogy? Is it just a pitch for any movie? Is it, w- what's your pitch? My pitch is The Amazing Spider-Man 3 in the MCU. Okay. Okay. I, I thought that might come up. Okay. My pitch is just general outline for a potential next movie featuring Tom Holland and maybe some, some general things just talking about the future of his character. I think, I mean, Craven the Hunter seems to be the thing they're probably setting up next for him. I mean, they've got the venom stuff at the end of the movie. I think honestly, this being, if this had been a Craven solo movie, it would have made a lot of sense because when you have like his identity get revealed and then Craven's whole thing is like, he hunts, he's the world's greatest hunter Maybe he would want to go after Peter Parker because he's, you know, the most uncatchable game. He learns his identity, some bullshit about that. Yeah. So this would have made sense as a Craven movie. But I think we can get Craven in the next one where maybe you get like the opening of the movie is so let's just say that the Sony movie is like a Craven origin story, whatever. They do their origin story over there. It can happen before or after this movie, like when it's released. Obviously, it would take as a prequel to this movie. But basically what I want to see is the beginning of the movie is that Craven finds out that Peter Parker's Spider-Man. He starts hatching this whole plan to go hunt him down. But then the whole spell happens to where Craven forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but he's still like ensnared with hunting him. So then it's just like the next movie is like him trying to hunt him down and discover who his identity is. Uh, that's my general idea for that. Now I wanted to talk to you a little bit about some big fan casts that have been going around for, for the future of the movie. So obviously Craven's already been cast, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. That's whatever. I think it's a decent casting um, yeah. after, especially seeing him in like nocturnal animals, the way he looks in that movie, I could kind of see him as a Craven. Um, first of all, the big fan cast for Harry Osborn and Norman Osborn is Timmy Chalamet and Matthew McConaughey. What are your thoughts on that? I wouldn't mind seeing McConaughey at all. I think he needs to get as Norman. Yeah, I, I would love to see that, honestly. To me, you know, I feel like that will get cast. I mean, I'm not going to be mad about it, but I don't know. I'm not, like, a, a massive fan. I feel like everybody else is. Timmy's about, not. About that casting, I'm saying. Not about Timmy and Jack. Yeah, yeah. Timmy says he does not want to be in a uh, superhero movie, so yeah, I saw probably that. won't happen. But Yeah, that's what they all say. Tell You know, they, they whip out the checkbook. So. I mean, you know, someone once gave me the great advice of, don't be in superhero movies, but star in the prequel to uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So I hear that advice all the time. So I understand what, you know, what he's doing with his career. Uh, For me, obviously I made that, I mean, I've called my shot on Timmy Chalamet during the amazing Spider-Man two episode. So just want to throw that out there. You know, I was calling it before even Tom Holland was saying anything. So I'm all over it. You must listen. You're welcome. (laughs) Get your own PR guy. Come on. That one UK listener we have. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey I don't know if I love that here's some uh Black Cat fan cast Cody okay Anya Taylor-Joy 
Yeah. Ana de Armas. And then the last oh, yeah. two, they, there seems to be a obsession with everyone wanting the entire Euphoria cast to just be in the new Spider-Man movies. Uh, so other ones include two Euphoria actors and Sydney Sweeney and uh, Alexa Demi. But uh, any general thoughts about any of those people, if you if you know? Yeah, I, I know. I'd say Ana de Armas would be my favorite out of those picks. Um, you know, I, we've talked about her before, but I think she's actually a really good actress and she's just improving. I feel like every time I see her in a new movie. So yeah, that'd definitely be my pick. I hate the Anya Taylor-Joy one. I, I don't like it. I don't, I don't mind that actually. I like Anya Taylor-Joy. I like her a lot, but I, I don't know. I think that'll be, would be a weird role for her to play. Um, I think I that'd think, be a good fit for her, honestly. I don't know. Seeing her in her role in Last Night in Soho, which I feel like has to have a little bit of a similar energy I don't like them because there's a little bit of like a man killer in both of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't like the way she played that, at least in that movie um, with that direction. Uh, Ana de Armas, I think would be great. I honestly think Sydney Sweeney wouldn't be terrible either. Um, but I, I don't know if it also needs to be just like some white blonde chick. Yeah. Like, you know, mix it up. Yeah. No, I agree with that too. Another one continue with the euphoria thing. Everyone want is uh, Gwen Stacy being hunter schaefer which i don't think they will ever do uh they want to see like a spider gwen hunter schaefer uh personally i don't think that would ever happen i don't think they'll ever cast a trans actress like in a prominent role like that or at least not anytime soon but i actually really like that casting a lot i like it a lot better than any of the other euphoria actors in uh the black cat role but i think hunter schaefer's gwen stacy could be really interesting finally my casting in this future world where we bring kurt connors in is i want matt smith to play kurt connors so there you go. Who? <laughs> Matt Smith. He was on Doctor Who. <laughs> I don't know. Which Doctor Who? The 11th. <laughs> Which one is he? The 11th. Oh, I do know who that is. It's not the guy who was in Jessica Jones. It was the guy He's not David Tennant, yeah. Any reason for Matt Smith? Just because he's got a really bland name? <laughs> I like him. I think he'd be good as a scientist, and I, I want to see him more in like villainous-type roles, and I think uh, a Kurt Connors... Uh, if we're going to do that again, which everyone seems to want. Literally, everyone's like, oh, Peter Parker goes to college for the first day. Uh, Cody's currently frozen, so I'm going to keep talking. Peter Parker goes to college for the first day, and he turns to his right, and he sees Gwen Stacy, and teaching the class is Kurt Connors, and then Harry Osborne is his roommate. Like, I don't want to see that shit. Like, I think that's just dumb. Like, let's not just dump all of these characters in there for the sake of being. So I don't really think we need Kurt Connors, but uh yeah i continue to talk even though you're frozen welcome back you can oh, listen Matt been in. You, can listen, you can listen back to what i had to say earlier <laughs> if you care bad smith terrible casting um but yeah my pitch uh doesn't have any euphoria actors sadly but um it is the amazing spider-man 3 man i really want to see just like this movie in mcu canon i think that'd be sick um Obviously, just another Andrew Gerfield Spooderman movie I'd be a fan of as well. And my pitch for it, basically, it, it, I didn't go crazy in detail here, but uh, I mean, you got to bring back Emma Stone, and you just got to do Spider-Gwen, I feel like. You've already done the the, uh, the timeline jumping or whatever, the, the alternate universes. Um, the multiverse. Yeah. The multiverse of madness, yeah. Um, also, I think it's funny. The Spider-Verse. Yeah, I was going to say that later. I think it's funny how in, uh, Doctor Strange, they're calling it Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. 
just call it Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, you goons. Um, but yeah, for for my Amazing Spider-Man three movie, uh, I want the villain to be uh, the Prowler, uh, Allah, into the Spider-Verse, which is a great movie. And I want to bring back Mahershala Ali to reprise his role, but obviously bring it live action. I don't care that he's Blade; he can do both. Uh, it's a you know multiverse of madness, whatever. Um, and then also, if you're going to do Prowler, you got to introduce Miles Morales as well. So sort of uh, a combination of the Amazing Spider-Man three and a Spider-Gwen story, while also introducing Miles Morales, and then he can obviously kickstart in his own movie as well. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that'd be you know just an interesting another MCU Spider-Man movie that would be a little bit unique and something I'd really want to see. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think Miles Morales with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man makes the most sense tonally to the three of yeah. them. Uh, I think you, you're asking for a lot in one movie, Spider-Gwen, Miles I Morales, am. and uh, the Prowler as the main villain. But hey, it's ambush- bad, ambitious and I like it. I can't wait to read your <laughs> script. <laughs> All right, it'll, it'll come out in a few months. Look out for All right, what are your thoughts on the uh, everyone wanting Venom to be in the Venom and Morbius to be in the Amazing Spider-Man universe, and that Amazing Spider-Man three to be against Tom Hardy's Venom. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that either. I think that'd be an interesting take. Just put a competent writer behind it. Don't let Tom Hardy yeah. write it, and don't no. let Mark Webb write it, and and don't let Jared Leto be in the movie. But um, yeah, sure, throw Venom into the Amazing Spider-Man universe. I think that fits enough. It's it, it's got a fun tone to it. So uh, yeah, why not? Count down the days to Morbius. We're going to have a... That'll be our next live podcast. I'm not watching that movie. I, I don't even care if it. I'm not watching it. I'll do a solo pod about Morbius. Uh, let's move on to our rating. You're going to look at me and you're going to tell me that I'm wrong? Am I wrong? My the, final, the final thing about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Cody, terrible title, but what are you giving this movie out of 69? <laughs> yeah, you know, the title brought it down a few notches. Probably to an higher... But um, also, just a, what is up with the title trends? Like, <laughs> what's the what's the what is the word for the next trilogy? I don't fucking know. Just make it, you know, just Spider Man. Why do you need college? Homecoming? Like Spider Man Homecoming is cool. Like that's a cool because it's like a double meaning. Like it's coming back to the MCU. Far from home, you know. It is far from home. Like that makes sense. I guess. What the hell's no way home? Nobody's going home. Nobody's coming back home. Like. Yeah, I guess like the hero, like the villains. Well, at the end of it, he has no home, so there is no way home. Uh, that's that's a stretch for sure. But yeah, uh, anyways, my rating, I'm going. I feel like I'm going pretty generous here. This is kind of a hard movie to rate. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. Out of 69, I'm going with a 61 rating. So I mean, I gave this movie four stars on a letterbox. I think it is a good movie. And 61's right in that tier of, of good movies for me, I think. I think The Martian's around there. Um, you know, there's a lot. We've done a lot of movies, obviously. Um, maybe Fast Five's in that category as well, somewhere near. But, um, yeah, I think this is a, a damn good movie. And like I was saying off the top, I mean, a hell of an achievement. And uh, I'll definitely be watching it again soon. So, yeah, I'm going 61. Martian and School of Rock at a 60. Fast Five at a 61. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm nailing this. That was all. Princess Bride at a 63, Gone Girl at a 60. Yeah, I think that's in this this echelon of of just good movies. So I back that. All right, I'm giving this movie a 54. For me, uh, for <laughs> me, that 
that puts it uh right in between holes and uh and gone girl for me so okay that's where i place it 54 is it above holes or below holes? above holes below gone girl thank god oh my gosh <laughs> thank god john Voight's not in this movie that would fucking all all three four-star movies so but nice respect let's talk about uh well, thank you, first of all, if you listen this far. Uh, before yeah, we get into I, the recommendations, this is a I long episode. This has been a long one. We've been, is, we've been rambling. A lot of side just talk here, which I love, but it's definitely a good movie to talk about. But if you're still here, like, uh, actually, like, really appreciate you guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> drop us a rating on Spotify. New feature that you can do. You can rate movie or rate pods out of five. So, Give us an honest critique. Give Roast us an honest movie. critique. Gross Corbin. Same thing on Apple Podcasts, too. Also, answer the question below the Spotify. Who's your favorite Spider-Man? My Cody, what been into recently? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I see the Hawkeye finales this week. Um, yeah, it was I, this week. Yeah, it was, it was this week, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, was yeah. Last week? It was know. last week, yeah, yeah. Whatever, fuck off. <laughs> I, I was kind of disappointed by it, I'm not going to lie. Um, like, it was good, but... There's no real payoff for Echo, in my opinion, which, I mean, I don't know what they're You'll doing. You'll get it in her TV show. Does she have superpowers? I thought she did. I thought she was like Black Canary, where she had like Echo stuff. But uh, Maybe there's still time. Yeah, that's true. I like her character. I like the actor a lot as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The, 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 the finale payoff for me wasn't great. And then, obviously, with Kingpin, I mean, they didn't do much, and they, like, I'm assuming they fake killed him because I don't think they actually killed Kingpin off screen like that. I mean, I, I know it's like PG 13 Marvel stuff, but they wouldn't actually just kill him like that. Like that's so lame. Oh yeah. Did you see the finale by the way, Gorman? Yes. I saw the finale. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he dies. Does he? I, well, no, at the end, you know, she's doesn't he like get up out of the rebel or whatever. Yeah. Did you not see the ending? I don't remember. It's been a week. You didn't even watch it. Yeah. Echo has a gun pointed at his head. And then it, it pans up and you hear the gunshot. Oh, yeah. So they're saying, like, she killed him, but I don't think he's dead. Anyways, yeah, Hawkeye, good series. Check it out. And then my other record. Where do you rank? Where yeah. do you put Hawkeye? Maybe this is a. We'll save it for next week, actually. Okay. Where you put Hawkeye in the MCU. Uh, it's, definitely, it's definitely up there for the TV shows for me. But um, my other rec is uh, did you check out? You did check out Don't Look Up. You were I me did. Me. I did. I also checked it out. I liked it a lot. I, you were you sent me a tweet talking about Adam McKay's directing style, where he just throws in random clips. I like that. I think it's niche. It's very it's very interesting, and he's done it for a couple movies. It's probably most of his movies. Did he do it? I can't talk still. Did he do it for the Big Short? I don't remember. Did There's he definitely like, weird like stock clips, bank stock movie. footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I definitely remember it in Vice, and obviously in this movie. I think this movie was super effective. Um, and yeah, I just like Adam McKay's directing style, but, um, I mean, this cast, holy shit, dude, this is a hell of a cast. I mean, obviously Leo, which is a different role for him as well. And I think he really settled into it. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. He's married to a woman his own age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you got the scene stealers of, uh, Timmy, Sh- uh, Timmy is amazing in this movie. And then Jonah Hill as well. I was dying every time Jonah Hill was on screen. So, um, I mean, just up to down the entire cast you could talk about. Meryl Streep is very funny as well. Um, yeah, don't look up. 
I think it's a it's a fun movie from Adam McKay. Something different from him. It's it's not really like he does this biopic stuff, but it's sort of his first like original take on the story. And like he just went straight up satire, which I love. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of. I I saw some stuff on it where people mad because like, oh, he, he's making fun of political stuff. Like, I feel like most of it would be true. Loki, don't get mad at me. But I mean, he makes both he makes fun of both sides, and like he takes it to the extremes, but that's our political state right now. If you give this 10 years and a comment's coming at us, this actually would fucking happen, if I'm being honest. Don't Look Up is the perfect title for the movie because it's fucking ridiculous. My, uh, But yeah, my I big... like this movie a lot. Check it out, 100%, just for the cast. But yeah, go ahead. First of all, I gave this movie four stars because, listen, I do like Adam McKay a lot. Um, I think he's is a good screenwriter, like regardless of like the story as a whole. like He just can write dialogue well. Um, yeah. I think the stylistically the whole like stock footage thing is less successful in this movie than it is in like the big short or maybe even vice. Um, but the performances are fantastic. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I think Jonah Hill is an absolute show stealer. Like you said, Meryl Streep's obviously an icon. Jennifer Lawrence is great. Um, it just, you know, the list continues to go on throughout the movie. Yeah. I, it's a movie about astronomers. Like it's in an inter- intersection of a lot of things that I can just love and appreciate. Um, but I do also have my gripes and not because it's making fun of politics. I don't have any issues with movies that right. do that, but I, what I said, and I've said constantly, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, is, but I, I think satire is dead. I don't think you can what? in the post Donald Trump uh, United States. I don't think you can satirize the political, like our political landscape because it's a satire of itself. Like there is nothing ever as ridiculous or as, you know, obtuse and buffoonish as like our american government was and it still is now quite frankly uh like when so, meryl streep makes some dumb comment it's like this isn't even funny or like this isn't even the thing is it's not necessarily that smart because it's not that hard to literally just imitate real life like it's it's pretty on the nose i don't think it's necessarily yeah. smart i think it's I just I don't think it's that impressive. With maybe what is, that's the point. Like, I think I think ten years earlier this movie's a masterpiece, and I think I agree with you. In ten years, this movie may be looked at as like, hey, this is a good representation of what our like media looked like and what our government looked like. But I think living in it right now, like I just don't think as a satire, like as a successful satire, like I just don't think it works. Like I don't think we can have that right now in a good way. Like, what's another movie that is, like, successful satire released in modern day? Like, I don't know. Nothing recently. Nobody does that anymore. But, I mean, the thing is... I just think the I making get, I, the I making fun saying. of Donald Trump thing is just so tired and lazy to me. Like, I agree. Yeah. Like, it's, it is, like, it, it's, he's a terrible person, and we should make fun of him. That's my take. <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, a, yeah, I don't, I don't but think I don't this is think a... He's doing anything special with that and i think people are just eating it up like oh it's about climate change and like it's the perfect movie that people in hollywood are gonna love but i guess i don't i don't look into it that deep i don't think it's a trump satire i think it's a political satire i think it makes fun of both sides like i said um and yeah obviously like the whole president thing she's a former meryl streep's playing a former actress whose son is the chief of staff that's a direct dig obviously like there's digs at at Trump specifically, but I don't think that character is Trump. I think they're just no, a dumbass but... president who like 
we could easily like like they just were given money from you know Apple there from Steve Jobs basically like that will 100% happen in the future um but yeah I mean you can read into this movie however you want but I just came at it from a general like political like you were saying astrophysical it's a disaster movie that's what it is I don't think it's that focused on politics if I'm being honest but there's just aspects of there that I really enjoyed uh, it's it's literally just making fun of disaster movies, I think, as well, and putting it into our actual political climate, which I thought was really funny. Anything else you're into, Cody? No, nah, that was it. Let, let's hear your recs. <laughs> uh, I've watched a lot of movies this week. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll jump through them really quickly. Um, first of all, things that I have not seen yet, but I'm going to watch probably shortly after this. Book of Boba Fett dropped uh, the day we recorded this, so go check that out. Uh, I feel like the hype around that is not very real. So, and I think it's probably gonna be pretty good. So go check out the book of Boba Fett. Um, I watched, what's the best thing I watched? I rewatched Palm Springs, which we've obviously talked about on this podcast. Nice. Great movie. Uh, watched the original matrix uh, again, since the last time we talked uh, fantastic movie. Uh, truly like, like, I mean, you said earlier in the podcast, like changed the way movies were made. Um haven't got a chance to check out the newest one, but I am curious to see what's going on there. I, I watched it's bad. I heard I've, it's really bad. I've heard some people love it. No, but for I the most part, people hate it. Yeah. Uh, I did actually watch Vice for the very first time uh, after our last, we recorded our last podcast. No. Um, definitely not his best work, um, no. especially in his like post 2010, like Will Ferrell breakup uh, era. Um. I also watched Nightmare Alley, which was a movie you slated to uh, be nominated for some Oscars, potentially. I, did. Uh, I think it will be nominated for some Oscars. I personally don't think Bradley Cooper's performance is that great in it. Um, some people do. Uh, all around, just like not that interesting of a movie to me, um, personally. Yeah. But It's like a magician movie or something, isn't it? I, I really don't understand. Like circus, it's a circus movie. Okay. Like with mental, mentalism. That's weird. It it's very interesting. Uh, Tony Collette gives uh, Bradley Cooper a hand job in a bathtub. So, oh, I'm checking it out now. <laughs> and then the last thing that I I rewatched again uh, was Twenty One Jump Street, which I hadn't seen yeah. in a while. And uh, Twenty One Jump Street is, I feel like, smarter than a lot of people give it credit for. Uh, I think just in in the way it takes on like the whole IP thing and just even a lot of the jokes and like the commentary on like the way like generations change and I, I think it's smarter than people give it credit for it's not just a dumb jonah hill channing tating comedy movie like there, there's actually some intelligent humor in there so yeah i back that 21 22 jump street couple of the more underrated modern classics you can I don't, I don't know if i can say the same about 22 but 21 for sure i'm a big fan of this movie even the way hey they brought back the ogs uh johnny depp was in in 21 yeah. jump street so the they, did it, they did it before spider-man Exactly. Nostalgia fate. That's where Spider-Man got the idea from. Johnny Depp. <laughs> All right. I think we're finally at the end. <laughs> we did it. We made it. We made it through. Apologies again for this being a late episode. We will hopefully be on time uh, for our next episode where we'll be discussing some of our favorite and maybe even a few of our least favorite things uh, that we watched, listened to, saw, experienced uh, in 2021. So join us for that year in review podcast. Absolutely. Definitely going to be a fun one. And uh, yeah, just going to wrap up the entire year. Uh, should be uh, explosions out here. Lots of fun stuff. All right. Peace. Adios. <laughs>